All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to Trace Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Everybody good? Did these guys not sound fantastic up here? I mean, come on, let's give it up for our worship team. These guys do a great job every single week. So thankful for them. How many of you guys are excited about Halloween? It's kind of a weird thing to say in church, isn't it? Some of you guys are like, uh, I don't know, am I? Am I excited about Halloween? I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be. Hey, let's take a moment. Let's talk about Halloween for a second. Hopefully we don't get into that again. I'll grab another mic if it does. But um, Hey, I know that Halloween has caused some controversy with Christians over time. And there's actually even debate whether Halloween was rooted in more demonic practices or whether it was actually rooted in Christian practices. And we're not going to get into that argument today, but I do want to remind you of something. You see, God is in the habit of redeeming things. And there's people in this room that actually are perfect examples of how God can redeem things. I'm a living, breathing proof that God can redeem things. And I also want to remind you, Christmas, this holiday that we celebrate, the birth of our Lord, used to be a pagan tradition, but we took it back. And we made it a celebration of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Where's the other mic? I'm going to go ahead and grab it. Do you know Satan lives in sound systems? Have you guys ever heard that? Because that happens sometimes. I'm going to try one more time. If it does it again, then I'll go ahead and switch. We, we practiced this, and it didn't happen over the rehearsal, but that's all right. All right, so here's the deal, guys. Uh, we want to take Halloween back. We want to take it back. And we don't celebrate it, whatever it was rooted in, whether it was Christian or pagan traditions. We're not really celebrating whatever it was rooted in, how it re- originated. We're celebrating the fact that we get to have a time and get to know our neighbors more. And so you may have been to churches that do things like trunk or treat and celebrate things like that, and we think that's awesome. We intentionally don't do those things because we want to invite people to get involved in their neighborhood and get to know their neighbors. We talked about this all last week, and so we would encourage you, get to know your neighbors. Now, how many of you guys are keeping up with this freaky clown thing? You guys been seeing this? Yeah, these clowns. We actually had one in my neighborhood. And you guys have to know this. I'm not an angry person. I'm not an aggressive person. But if one of those angry clowns comes towards my kids, I'm going to drop kick them. In the name of Jesus, of course, but I'm going to drop kick them. Because I don't have any patience for these freaky clowns walking around. Well, speaking of neighbors, um, how many of you guys got at least one name on your magnet last week? I mean, one name? Okay, handful of you. Remember, we're a church of action, so we're not just going to come in here and hear something. We're going to actually do something with it. How many of you guys have your whole magnet filled out? Anyone? Anybody have their whole magnet filled out? Okay, awesome. Keep working on those magnets. Keep getting to know your neighbors. Well, today we're going to finish our trifecta in this series called Out of Focus. And we've been talking about our three main focuses as a church. We've been talking about how there's, there's the, the unlikelihood of us saying yes to a lot of really good things because there's so many good things that we could get involved in as a church, but we don't want to do that because we want to focus on three things that we feel if we do these things right and well and we, we become great at them, they will most likely make the biggest impact. And so a couple weeks ago, Corey kicked off this series with our next generation's focus. And he talked about how kids, oh, let me get past that, kids matter more than adults. That was the one thing coming out of that. I'm going to go ahead and turn this off. Give me just a second. All right, this on? Okay. All right, and we talked about how kids are more important than adults. 
And then last week, I talked to us about our second main focus as a church, and it's neighboring. And the one thing was love the neighbors that you have, not the neighbors that you choose. And Because so, sometimes, let's be honest, all of us want to love people that are the easiest to love. But God didn't tell us we had a choice with that. He said, love your neighbors. And so the idea is that we want to love the neighbors that we have and not the neighbors we choose. And today, we're going to finish the trifecta in this focus, our three focuses as a church, and we're going to talk about nations. Did you guys pick up? It's like three ends, next generation, neighboring, and nations. It's clever. Like, we spend a lot of time on this stuff, guys. We need, we need encouragement here. And so, yeah, thanks for that encouragement. Awesome. Um, this message is going to be a little bit different today. Because what I want to do today is I actually want to talk about personal experiences that I've had. And i got to give you a heads up. I'm probably going to cry, okay? Uh, anytime that I go deeper into my heart and things that I've experienced myself, it just comes out of me. And the more, it seems like the older I get, the more uh, empathetic and sympathetic I get, and it just brings emotion out of me. So here's our one thing. I'm going to start a little bit different today and actually tell you our one thing before we even start the message, and here it is. Some stay, some go, but all are called. When it comes to the nations, some will stay, some will go, but don't miss the last one. All of us, all of us are called. Here's where my experience started. Here's where my eyes were opened, maybe for the first time. In 2008, I went on my first overseas mission trip to Haiti. And I went with, I co-led this trip with a friend of mine who had adopted one of his sons from Haiti, and we were going to a place called the Northwest Haiti Mission. And I remember the eight-hour bus ride that was off-road. Do you think the roads in Colorado Springs are bad? Eight hours on a bus that was literally off-road, unpaved roads, and we finally get to this mission. And this place, it was big, but it was put together with concrete blocks and mortar, nothing fancy. And I remember Mike, he was the co-leader with me. He was like, hey, man, I got I to gotta take you to this place. It's where I first met my son, the son that he had adopted. And I said, cool, man, let's go. And so he led me to this place, and we walked down into this basement. And as we walked down, I saw this heading kind of above us as we're walking down into this room. And it said, heaven's waiting room. And this was a place where they brought children that were literally disposed of by their parents. Children that were thrown in garbage dumps, left on the city streets. And the reason that this happened is because these children were handicapped in some way or had some type of deadly illness like HIV. And he took me down into this room, and I can still remember the smells. But they were really quickly replaced by smiles from this little guy. This is Scuba Steve. And we called him Scuba Steve because even though he couldn't walk, he loved the water. And we spent a lot of time with Scuba Steve in the water. And i got to let you know, guys, when you, when you hold a little kid like this in your arms, a kid that was literally discarded as trash, it changes you. It changes you. I remember several times on that particular trip walking down into Heaven's waiting room and sitting on the floor, and maybe you can see some of the kids lying around here. None of these kids could walk. And I just sat down, and I prayed for them, but I also prayed for myself because I knew my heart needed to change. Because when I left this place, I knew things like this didn't go away, and it wasn't just about a picture and image. It's something that I saw that I felt 
And I knew that when I left there, it didn't go away because God sees this every single day. And it changed me. Friends, the reason why one of our main focuses here at Trace's Nations is because these are not just stories and statistics that you read about or see on TV. These are sons and daughters, and many of them become our brothers and sisters in Christ. And while in Haiti, I saw many things that I can never forget. I remember seeing a girl, she was probably 12 years old, being led through voodoo seances and literally foaming out the mouth. I remember people bathing in cesspools of human waste. I saw so many faces that if they could have spoken, they would have simply said, I have no hope. And I left there thinking, God sees this every single day. And it changed me. Guys, in all my observations in ministry, I believe the single most influential, impactful, and educational thing that you can do is to go on one of these trips. I've been on four of these trips myself now on overseas mission trips. And if I could point to anything in my faith that has given me a more biblical worldview and expanded my vision to see things the way that God sees them every day, it has been on one of these trips. And I know some of you, you tell yourself, man, that's great, Aaron, but I don't know if I, don't know if I could do it. And I know for some of you, it may be fear. Some of you, it just may be, you know what, I'm, I just don't feel called to go on one of these trips. And I want to remind you that some will stay, some will go, and all are called. Since this is one of our main focuses, there are going to be many of you in this room that we're going to encourage to go on one of these trips in the future. And for those of you that say, you know what, I just can't do it. All right, I get it. But you can still be involved by helping send those people. And here's what I would hope, because you've heard me say this before if you've been coming every week. I want to be the most generous church that any of you have ever experienced in your life. And so if any of you in here ever get a letter from somebody else that says, hey, I'm going on this trip, would you consider financially supporting me? What if our answer collectively was always yes? Even if it was five bucks. Maybe for some of you it's 50. Maybe for some of you it could be 500. But what if we always said yes? And so no matter what, if you, if, whether you stay, whether you go, if we're all called, why don't you help send people on these trips if you yourself are not going? Now, if you're in here right now and you're not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook on what I'm about to tell you. But for those of us that have put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we don't get the opportunity to opt out of the mission that he put in place a little over 2,000 years ago. Last week, we talked about the great commandment. This week, I want to talk about the great commission. Here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, he's about to, be, he's about to ascend into heaven. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, that's an important statement because what he's saying is, listen, I'm about to tell you something really, really important. And you need to know I've got the authority to say it. Because I'm about to tell you the most important commission that we will ever give you as disciples of Jesus, as believers in Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Friends, we don't get the option of opting out of this mission. 
And God's love for the nations was made clear a long time ago through Abraham, but when Jesus put this mission in front of us, it solidified the Father's love for all people and for all nations because his mission for us was to reach everyone. Now let me be clear, because part of our focus when it comes to nations will be meeting immediate needs, people that don't have the basic needs in front of them, food, water. That will be part of our focus when we get involved in nations. But another part of our focus that comes out of this great commission of Jesus, big, the biggest charge that Jesus puts in front of followers of Jesus is to actually bring Jesus to them. That's the biggest thing that people need in their life. There are many nations who don't need food and water, but they still need Jesus. And so we're commissioned to take Christ to them. Let me get on a detour for a second. I've always believed that we live in the greatest nation on earth. I really, I really do. I've said that many times. And the freedoms that we're afforded as Americans should never be forgotten or wasted. But let me also remind us of the freedom that we have in Christ. Because the freedom that we have in Christ is much more powerful and important than the freedoms we even have as Americans. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Guys, when we combine the freedoms that we are afforded as Americans to the freedom that we have in Christ, we now hold something in our possession that is absolutely precious. And it elevates our influence and it elevates our opportunities to take what we have and not be selfish with them, but take them to people that don't have them, specifically the saving grace of Jesus Christ. God's love is not just for this nation. God's love is for all nations. And Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 12 that the more that we are given, and as Americans we've been given a lot the more that will be expected for us. And as American Christians, I do believe we have incredible amounts of affluence and influence that was intended to use, be used for God's purposes and not just our own. And if we're not careful, don't miss this. If we're not careful, American privilege can lead to this idea of nationalism, which is this notion that as Americans we're somehow superior This thinking has no place in the mind of a Christ follower. And if we're not careful, this mindset will force us to look at the rest of the world through a lens that's more, more like a cultural lens and an American lens rather than a kingdom lens. And when we do this, we get out of focus. We get out of focus. But if we will continue to grow in the fullness of truth and grace, it affords us the, the opportunity and the ability to see the world the way that God sees it every single day. And you might say, you know what, Aaron, I don't know if I want to see the world the way that God sees it. There's too much pain. There's too much suffering. I don't know if I want to see that. I get it, guys. But there's also too much hope that is available and we are ambassadors for that hope. We carry that hope with us. It is the hope of Jesus Christ and we cannot hold something that precious without giving it away. 
It's not uncommon for me to have atheists or agnostics debate me on this idea of God's love. How, how in the world could a loving God let all of this pain and all of this suffering happen in the world? And I want to share you one of my responses to that debate because people much smarter than myself have done research and studied and said, listen, if every proclaiming Christian Again, for a little bit. This is awesome. (laughs) Maybe Satan does live in sound systems. I don't know. (laughs) I was just joking earlier. All right, let me find out where I was. So this debate between uh, people who, who say, how could there be a loving God? And... People have done studies and research, and they've shown that if every proclaiming Christian were to just give 10%, just 10% of everything that has been given to them, if you give 10%, don't miss this, world world hunger would be conquered in 90 days. Experts have done the research and done the math. Friends, when we hear these arguments of how could a loving God, and I'm sure you've heard them, how could a loving God allow these things to happen, I want to remind us that God had a plan to deal with a lot of the suffering that we hear about and even read about in this world. He had a plan. You ready? It's called his church. And when the church fulfills her purpose, it's one of the most beautiful things that you've ever seen. Guys, we want to be part of fulfilling that purpose and taking the gospel and taking Jesus to people and meeting immediate needs And understanding that we have something precious in our hands that wasn't meant to be held close to our chest, but to be given away. I can still remember when I was in Haiti packing up several cots. There were these fold-up Coleman cots that maybe some of you know about. And we packed them up, and we were heading up into the mountains of Haiti. And uh, the people at the mission had told us that when it rains, the people who live in these little huts up in the mountains, they actually have water that runs down the mountain into their home, and they have to sleep on the dirt floor. They don't have, they don't have any beds, and so they literally get soaked, soaking wet every single time that it rains. And so we were taking these cots to go to these people who lived up in the mountains of Haiti to, just so they could sleep off the ground, a basic need. And we didn't have that many, and we knew that we were going to run out of them, and you know we didn't have nearly as many as we needed for everyone who lived up in the mountains, and so we prayed God... Would you lead us to the people who need these cots the most? And so we began our journey through the jungles of Haiti. And I can still remember the feeling in my gut and in my chest when I saw this man approaching us, this Haitian man, and he was dressed in camouflage holding a machete. And in my mind, and I've got a bunch of high school students with me, and I'm leading them, so my first concern is them. And I'm really quickly going through my head of everything that I learned in all my training from watching Rambo 1 through 3. And he approached and he started yelling in Creole. That's the language they use there. And he's yelling and I've got an interpreter with me because I don't know the language. And he's trying to tell me what this man is saying. And finally he says, he wants us to go with him. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And he says, no, he wants us to go with him. He says his father's very ill, very sick. And he needs us to go with him. And guys, I was super reluctant. But I finally agreed and said, okay, let's go. And so we walked with this man and Let me put a pause on that story real quick. 
I would admit to you today that God has given me a gift of faith. And what I mean by that is I'm that guy that's willing to take risks. I'm that guy that's willing to go on these trips. I'm that guy who's willing to move his family to Arizona and then uproot them to go start a brand new church in a brand new land called Colorado Springs. I'm that guy. But I'm ashamed to admit how quickly I can trust God in one moment and then not trust him in the next. Maybe you can identify with me. And so we were prayed, God, send us to the right people. Send us to the people who need these cots the most. And when he tried to answer that prayer, we doubted him. Because, friends, there was no one else on that mountain, mountain that day that needed that cot more than this gentleman right here. He was on his deathbed, laying on a wet, muddy ground, skin and bones. And so we got to pray for him and sit down and knelt beside him and this gentleman who looked so scary coming towards us with a machete and a <laughs> camouflage jacket ended up being one of the most heartfelt guys I remember on the trip because of his love for his own father. And it changed me. Sometimes I feel our hesitancy to get involved in mission trips or even a deeper focus of the nation. Nations comes down to our trust in God. Will he protect me? Will he honor my prayer? Will it make a difference? Sometimes we make justification, justifications that sound like this. Hey, aren't there enough problems in America? I mean, why do we need to go anywhere else? Can't we just stay here and fix the problems here? And I want to reassure you, we're definitely going to be involved in this nation. I mean, this is a nation. We're going to focus on this nation. And one of our main focuses here will be helping plant future churches. We feel like that's probably one of the best things that we can do. But we have to be careful that our justifications don't get in the way of God's love for all nations. Here's what Paul says in his letter to the Galatians. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, Gentiles meaning anybody that's not Jewish. He would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. I remember... The first time I went to a country that was 95 plus percent Muslim. And I remember the nerves that I had in our training going to this country. You had to go through a lot of training just to understand the culture that you were going into. And I had a lot of those preconceived notions that many of you have. Much that we've got from mainstream media. And so I was a little nervous. Because everything that I knew, Muslims wanted to kill me. Now, let me pause there, and I want to tell you, because I've had a lot of experience with Muslim people now. The mass majority of Muslims that I've ever met are some of the most hospitable and loving people that you'll ever meet. But don't get me wrong, there are Muslims that want you dead. And what we're watching happen in a, from a global perspective is a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus who have said, you know what, I'm not going to make them my enemy, I'm going to make them my friend. And by doing so, Hundreds of thousands, there's books being written about this right now, hundreds of thousands of Muslims are actually coming to a saving faith in Christ because some people have chosen not to make them enemies but rather make them their friends. And I know for some of you, you're having trouble even swallowing that because I know what you see on the media. I see it too. And I remember one of the main lessons that God taught me on this particular trip, and it revolved around this guy right here. We keep, we keep this in our office now. And it's a, it's a shredded up soccer ball. And I keep this in my office because of what God taught me and Corey. Corey and I were both on this trip together. You see, we were 
we were there and we were putting on some soccer clinics and doing some different things through sports for the kids. And so we had all these brand new, really shiny soccer balls. And one day we were walking through an alley and noticed that there were a bunch of kids kicking around that ball. It was not just deflated, shredded to pieces, but that's what they were playing with. And then they were like, hey, man, we're going to bless these kids. We're going to go get one of those brand new shiny soccer balls and we're going to give it to them. And so this is us. Don't laugh at my facial hair there. They called me Redbeard on this trip, I think. But um, we had this brand new soccer ball and we're about to give it to these kids. And here she is holding that very soccer ball right there that's shredded. And we're like, man, we're the heroes. These kids are going to love us. And we gave them the ball. And really quickly, some older kids, teenage kids, saw what just happened. And they came and they literally started beating up these younger kids because they wanted that brand new soccer ball. We did our best to break up the fight, got the new ball away from them and gave it to an adult and decided to leave it with somebody who was local that understood the culture on how best to give these kids a brand new soccer ball because what we thought we were doing that was good and was going to bring value to the situation actually did more harm than good. Don't we do that? Sometimes we have the best of intentions, but if we don't do our homework, if we don't understand the culture, if we don't understand the situation, if we don't ask the right questions, sometimes we think our best, or sometimes our best of intentions actually end up doing more harm then good. May be the case in your marriage or in another relationship that you're in or maybe a problem that you've dealt with at work. And so one of the things that we want to do when we get involved in our global focus is ask the right questions and make sure that our best of intentions don't get in the way of what people actually need. Reminds me of a guy who wanted to expand his focus one time and when it, when it came to even the faith, Christian, Christian faith. And his wife had been begging him for so long, would you please just come to the Holy Land with me? Please come to the Holy Land with me so we can walk where Jesus walked. And he really didn't want to go, but he finally said, you know what, I think this is going to help me with my Christian perspective of actually seeing where Jesus walked. But he said, listen, if I'm going, I'm bringing my brother with me because I need somebody to hang out with. She said, fine, if you're bringing your brother, I'm bringing my mom. And it was almost a deal breaker for him. But he, he decided, okay, I'm bringing my brother, you're bringing your mom, we're going. So they get over there and they're walking where Jesus walked, they're having a great time, but then this guy's mother-in-law actually has a heart attack and she dies. And he comes to his wife and says, baby, I am so sorry. I don't know, whatever it takes, whatever we need to do to get your mom back to the United States, we'll pay as much money as we need to. And his brother overheard that and pulled, it, pulled him aside later and he said, man, you're going to spend like tens of thousands of dollars. I didn't even think you liked your mother-in-law. He said, listen, there was a guy who died here 2,000 years ago, and he came back to life. And if there's any chance that's going to happen, it's a bad joke. <laughs> I'm sorry if anybody's in here with their mother-in-law. I may have got a little awkward. When we were in uh, Djibouti, Africa, we had a lot of fun with that name, by the way. But we went to an underground Ethiopian church. And at this underground Ethiopian church, my eyes were opened even further. And I remember getting in there and noticing, and well, actually beginning by starting conversations with some of them that had been arrested. A lot of these Ethiopians had been arrested just for simply gathering as God's church. Time out. Can I get in your face for a second? Like, is that okay? Do we have that kind of relationship yet? Here I am talking to these Ethiopians who are willing to go to jail 
for the sake of gathering as believers. Sometimes I hear the excuses that we give. I've been there. I'll put myself in that basket. There's a football game on. I was tired. I got family in. Guys, we need to be careful of what we allow to come in front of God. And I know the church in and of itself is not God, but it's God's plan. And his plan was for us to gather together, actually more often than once a week. And so my hope is that we'll continue to move in the direction of Jesus and see the importance of this gathering and doing this together and learning together and worshiping together. I also remember that my perspective on worship changed that day because they didn't have a beginning and end to a church service. They just came in, and one of the, one of the first responses were that was, was for them to lie face down on the ground, prostrate on the ground, face on the ground, and shout out praises and prayers to God. My heart started to shape a little bit differently as I watched this. And friends, we wonder sometimes why we don't see miracles in our life. We wonder why we don't see miracles right in front of us. And if you ask me, it's because our faith rarely has us on our face, completely dependent on God and nothing else. Because I can assure you, these people have seen miracles in their life. And so if you ever wonder, if you have those questions ever come to you, maybe that's something you think about. And I remember they asked me, they said, hey, they found out I was a pastor, and they're like, hey, would you get up and speak? Would you get up and say something to us? You're a pastor. And I, I just remember this feeling. What can I teach these guys? Because they're teaching me. What, what could I possibly say that would influence them? And I remember getting up, and to be honest with you, I tried to say something super spiritual. Don't ever say something super spiritual if it's being interpreted by the way, because it never, it never transmits. And they probably didn't understand it, but they appreciated it. And I walked away that day with this in mind. When it comes to our faith, people aren't often looking for, for experts. They're looking for authentic examples. It's true. And sometimes people imagine that only the super spiritual people go on these kind of trips, these mission trips, but the opposite is true. Even Corey goes on these trips i got to get one in every sermon, so we have a good time. Now, Corey, all, all kidding aside, Corey and I have been on three of these trips to Africa together now, and both of us would tell you that out of everything that we've seen people experience in their faith, these are the most impactful things that expand people's vision to see the world the way that God sees it every day. And so when you hear this passion coming from us, it's not just because of our own personal experiences, it's because we've watched it transform hundreds of people's lives because when you're forced to see the world the way that God sees it every day, it will change you. The world doesn't need more experts. It just needs more authentic, authentic examples of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Paul, in, again, his letter to the Galatians says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. You are all children of God. Through faith, for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What's that promise? The promise that God's going to bless all nations. What is his plan to do that? His church. This church. 
And so, friends, we're going to continue to get involved in the nations. And so let me leave and close today by giving you three really specific um, action steps of how we're going to get involved in the nations. Because here's our main focus on uh, our nation's focus. Ready? We actually don't have a focus yet. We don't have an area yet. We're praying And we're asking you to partner with us and pray because we don't want to just flippantly say, hey, let's just go here. We want God to lead us in a specific direction, whether it's Haiti or Dominican Republic or India or whatever that could be. We want God to lead us in the direction that he wants us to go. And so here's what we know. Some of you are already really passionate about this. Some of you... Uh, during this message, I've just felt God tugging on your heart because you already have a love for the nations. Here's one of the action steps today. We want to know who you are. And so when we close the service today, there's going to be a sign-up sheet at the table at the bottom of the stairs at guest services. We simply want to know your name. And after we get your name, we're going to put all you guys in a room and sit down. We're just going to spend some time talking and praying and thinking, where does God want us to focus when it comes to nations? Some of you guys hear this every week. But this uh, Cosley thing, this is another action step. Guys, it's a small step that can make a huge difference. And Cosley is this program that is partnered with Facebook, and you literally just click a button to check in on Facebook. You have to um, be a friend of our Facebook page first. And we're partnered with an organization that partners with companies like Compassion International and Feed the Hungry. And by clicking a button, we are literally meeting immediate needs. All you got to do is click a button. And so we encourage you to start doing that if you haven't started doing that already. And then the last action step is to begin praying. We could, Corey and I were talking about this the other day, we're most likely going to begin taking these trips as soon as uh, this coming spring. And we want you to begin praying now for God to give you the courage and the faith and the trust that you'll need to maybe make that step. Because I get it, guys, some of these Things are hard when you step out of your comfort zone. It's hard, but that's also why it has the biggest impact because we're learning. It's not always, actually most often, it's not the work that you do in these countries that is going to have the biggest impact. It's the work that God's going to do in you. It is. And that's why we're so passionate about this. That's why it's becoming one of our major focuses. So let me close with this one more time. Some stay. Some go. But All of us are called, all of us are called to be a part of blessing the nations. Let me pray for us. Father, I know there's some ambiguity in this conversation today. God, I know that you haven't given us clear direction on where you want us to go, but it was so clear that we needed to begin the conversation because if we're going to be a church that focuses on the nations, we got to begin to prepare our heart now. And so, God, I'm asking for your partnership. I'm asking for you to speak to the individuals in this room that maybe need to go home and have a conversation with a husband, a wife, a friend, a family member that's saying, man, I I think I'm supposed to do this. I think I'm supposed to go on one of these trips. I think I'm supposed to go put my name down and say that I've got a heart for the nations. And then we begin a conversation, Lord, that my hope will lead to so many people being introduced to your son, Jesus. And Lord, for those places where there's scuba steves and people laying on mud floors, getting soaking wet because they don't even have a bed to sleep on, God, would you begin to reshape our heart? Would you begin to reshape our vision to see things the way that you do? And even though that causes us some hurt and pain, 
God, replace that with the hope that can only come through your church and through ultimately your son. We love you. We pray all this in his name. Everybody said, amen.